it's kind of funny when you have those little life-changing moments and then you look back at 10 years later and go, Jesus, you know, I wonder, did I do enough over the past 10 years to justify me uh, living? Welcome to Push In, the Cinevic Podcast. I'm your host, Joyce Klein, coming to you from the unceded territory of the Lekwungen-speaking peoples, otherwise known as beautiful Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing a true jack-of-all-trades, actor, assistant director, producer, blogger, and Cinevic past president, director Trent Peake has done it all. Most recently, he directed the 2021 CineSpark-winning Going Home, Sarah Nicole Fauché's touching short film about a young deaf woman trying to work in the film industry. With his film about to premiere in this year's Short Circuit Pacific Rim Film Festival, I thought it was the perfect time to touch base. Hi, Trent. Welcome to Push In. Thanks, Joyce. Scene one. Directing going home, is that a bit of a step forward? I believe so. When Sarah Nicole found out that she was going to be doing the pitching for the CineSpark, she asked me uh, what you know what position I would like to take on. And I said, well, at this point in time, the only way I will do this project is if I direct. And the pitch was fantastic. Sarah Nicole, she worked so hard on that pitch. And in my head, the whole time, I kept thinking, going, we're not going to win. So I'm not worried about it. But uh, when I watched the pitch, I kept thinking in my head, going, Oh, crap, because I had this feeling <laughs> that she was doing so well that I was like, I have a feeling she's going to get chosen, and I'm not prepared for this yet. And then, you know, lo and behold, her project was chosen. Since Sarah Nicole herself is deaf and you are not, did you have any qualms or reservations about taking this on, or was there a discussion about that? There there was... Um, uh, we just kept thinking, how are we going to get this done? And the marvelous thing about Sarah Nicole, and when she explained it with her hearing, is that she can hear up to a certain percentage. So say in one ear, she's at 40%, and in another ear, she's at 50%. And so once I was able to understand how loud I could speak, or which which side of her I should be able to speak on, or know... And God, during COVID was a little difficult because, of course, we were all wearing masks and it's easier for her to lip read than it is to hear. So that I think that was the biggest challenge because she's hearing a muffled voice through a mask. And every once in a while, you could see a little bit of struggle between us. And then I would have to sit there and think, okay, well, I just have my third booster or I have my second booster. Okay, you know, screw this. I'm just going to take my mask down. And then, you know, we were able to have that conversation. Scene two. How would you compare and contrast working on a big Netflix professional film with working in independent film? Uh, the money. <laughs> the money. The <laughs> It's funny because when you work on a big Netflix production, everybody has their particular job that they're hired to do, and and that is it. And you focus on that job, and you can't go over to a lighting department and mess around with the lights. You can't go because you're focused on that one department. I know on other films, like on the, on the smaller independent films, you're wearing many hats. 
So sure, you're directing, but you're also transportation. You're loading everything into <laughs> the trucks. You're you're doing so many other departments that you wouldn't do on a big set. And and plus, you know, 15, 16, 17 hour days in an independent film is is the norm. But on a big production, once you get over 12 hours, uh, the, you know, the production department starts to get a little angry because they know they're starting to pay people overtime. So, yeah. Having taken on every other role, yes. uh, do you have a favorite? Yeah. No, I, I enjoy directing the most. But, uh, of course, I do like I like acting uh, once in a while when I have the opportunity. But, um I think the last thing that I really enjoyed the most was when I was doing set deck on Made. I thought that was something that was out of my wheelhouse. Never thought that I would ever do set deck in my life. And I came out with a huge appreciation of what really goes in to creating a set. So sure, you can see all these marvelous things and they look good on camera, but the hours and the time and the end and how much sweat and tears that goes into just making a five second shot. Uh, it's just mind blowing. It, it, and that's the one thing that I loved about that, uh, doing that job for eight months was because I got to see behind the camera of really what happens. As a production designer, I totally applaud that observation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, uh, especially in Maid, there was one part where uh, Lee character is swiping her finger down a wall, and it's supposed to be a moldy wall. And I know that I saw uh, the paint department spend a good day and a half just focusing on that one area. Scene three. Trent, in your blog, you mentioned that a few years ago you had some kind of health crisis that turned your life around. If you're comfortable with sharing, I'd love to hear more about that. Oh, dear Lord. It was on a day, Rogers Wireless was, their cell phones were down all across Canada. I ended up getting really, 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 really sick to a point where I, you know, wasn't quite sure what to do. And I had to use Facebook to communicate to people because I couldn't call anybody mm. couldn't call the ambulance couldn't get a hold of anybody and we just moved to victoria at that time so i didn't know our neighbors yet i, I had so i was on my own and yeah it was, it was pretty scary it was um and all it was was just a blood vessel that burst in my esophagus <gasps> yeah and then it went into my liver and uh and then the liver went what the heck is this yeah, it was a little bit of a light, you know, it was a bit of an eye-opener. Okay, well, good. Glad that worked out. It's kind of funny when you have those little life-changing moments, and then you look back at it 10 years later and go, Jesus, you know, I wonder, did I do enough over the past 10 years to justify me uh, living? Because at that point in time, it was it was touch and go. And then once you get out and you get you know, a bill of health and, you, and you're getting going and you start thinking in your head going, now, did I do enough to justify me going on? And what's the answer? Um, I'm still up and down on it. There's some things that I'm, I'm grateful for that I've 
done. There's a lot of things that I've looked over the past so many years and realized that I've done a lot to help a lot of people. But I look at it that I sit there and think and go, for career-wise, I still haven't really hit that part that I want to be at. One last question. Yes. Your personal quote on IMDb is, keep it real, and if it's not real, don't keep it. Yes. Have you ever had to apply this to a film experience? You're always worried about time. You're always worried about money. You're always worried about how you're going to get the shot. So if there is a prop, uh, a member of the crew, or anyone that may hinder the process of the film, if they're not real, if they're not there to help out, then they have to leave. So, of course, I have that bit of a reputation that, you know, people, people think that I'm an evil man, but I'm not an evil man. I'm just basically, I'm always looking out for everyone around me as the team. And if there's always that one bad nut, regardless of what it is, person, place, or thing, if, if something just doesn't click, you've got to get rid of it because it takes up too much time for everybody else. Good advice. Well, thanks so much, Trend, and best of luck with going home. Thanks. Tail Slate. And that's a wrap. Join me, your host, Joyce Klein, for the next episode of Push In, the Cinevic Podcast. <laughs>